Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 72, recorded on Thursday, 7th of October 2011. That explains the pants. Tim Clark, Julian Woodward and Larry Hawes join the returning Jaron Duke and I to discuss the passing of Steve Jobs, IBM's new XWorks server offering, the release of Notes and Domino 853 and those oh-so-exciting new entitlements, Lotusphere 2012 and much, much more. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus, episode 72. I'm Stuart McIntyre and as ever I'm joined by Darren Duke. Hello Darren. Good morning Mr Stuart, how are you? Yeah, we're really good, thank you. We missed you last week mate. We Well, there's two good, two good bits of news. A, I'm back <laughs> and B, England just spanked the crap out of France in the Rugby World Cup. Did they? <laughs> yes, this goes out so, on Saturday or Sunday so we're hoping that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you made me wonder then I thought how have I missed out on the news today <laughs> sorry being a bit slow <laughs> hi Stuart here well of course I'm recording this now on Saturday having waited to publish the podcast until the England rugby match had happened and we lost yeah we lost 19-12 to France so unfortunately Dan's prediction was not true but anyway on with the show <laughs> So it's good to have you back, Darren. We missed you last week. Uh, had a really good conversation with Sandy Carter, but um, and, and Matt Newman, of course, stood in. Uh, did a really good job of being fake, Darren. Uh, although I'm not sure about his Geordie accent. I, I listened to it and I couldn't tell he was pretending to do an accent. Bless him. Oh, good old Matt. It was good to have him on. So anyway, let's crack on with this week's episode. We got plenty to discuss this week. We are joined first of all by Tim Clark. Hello, Tim. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Now, I'm so used to introducing you as Tim Clark from IBM, but of course that's no longer true. Not anymore. So who are you working for these days? I'm working for a fantastic company called GSX Groupware Solutions. Okay, like I've never heard the full name like that. It's quite a long name. <laughs> yeah, it's GSX to everyone else. GSX yeah. to everyone. I was like, I was like, I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> so what did GSX do? Uh, we do monitoring uh, solutions for your collaborative environment. That's the official elevator line. Okay, great. And uh, I guess you've been there, what, about a month or so? Uh, yeah, just over a month now. Wow, time flies. Indeed. And of course, another change about the same time, you've, you've now got a family. Yeah, we've got a family. Um, we've adopted two children who are absolutely beautiful, a little boy of four and a little girl of six, and they're both off at school at the moment, so you won't hear, Daddy, as they run <laughs> through the door. It will be great. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's great to have you on. Look forward to, to chatting over some of the topics today, uh, in, and we'll, we'll probably mention your podcast at some point through the show as well. So thanks for coming on, oh, Tim. Oh, fine. Brilliant. And also joined by um, a, a fellow business partner from the UK by Julian Woodward. Hello, Julian. Hello, Stuart. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Tell us what company you work for and what you do there. I work for a business partner in London in the UK called Axiot. And uh, basically, I'm a, a developer. Uh, I've been working with the Lotus product set since, well, since R3 came out, which must be 1993, I suppose. And I uh, haven't managed to escape it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I still spend about half my time doing that and the rest uh, working with products by um, another company that obviously isn't as big as IBM and whose name begins with M. <laughs> Good. Uh, is it, uh, yeah, we, we've certainly uh, been around the Lotus community for a while and of course I, I know you as well as being part of a, a certain cooperative as well. Indeed, uh, London Developer Cooperative with Matt White and Ben Poole and Mark Myers and uh, a few other people and that's um, that keeps us entertained and we keep each other busy. It keeps everyone else entertained as well because your T-shirts and mugs and everything that you do for events are fantastic. Thank you very much for those. Just you wait until Lotus Fear 2012. I can't wait. I'm already looking forward to it. (laughs) And the third member of our panel this week is Larry Hawes. Hello, Larry. Hey, Stuart. Glad to be here. It's great to have you on. Been looking to get you on Twill for some reason or another ever since we started. So it's great to have you on this week. Do you want to tell us what you do? 
Certainly. Um, I've been mucking about causing trouble in the uh, collaboration and content management software worlds for probably about 13 years now. Um, I've actually worked at IBM for five of those as a GBS consultant, working with uh, public sector companies in the U.S. on uh, developing and actually uh, deploying and initiating their collaboration strategies and knowledge management strategies. Uh, currently, I, I am an independent uh, consultant working with enterprise software vendors, including IBM, on things like go-to-market strategy, product roadmap, positioning and messaging, uh, and any other kind of corporate strategy sort of matters. Brilliant. Excellent. And of course, we've seen you at Loadsphere previous events. Do you think you'll be there again this year? I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on today. It'll be great to get your perspective on, on some of the announcements that have gone this week. Um, but of course, it's been a, a pretty sad start to the day. Certainly here in the UK, we woke up to the news that Steve Jobs um, had passed away overnight. And, and there's been certainly an awful lot of reflection on, on Twitter and some of the blogs uh, this morning. So, Darren, any thoughts on, on Steve passing away? Well, he changed the world. Um more for the better than not so you know that's the one thing you can ask when you come into this world that you go out that way and i'm no apple fanboy but i did find out about it on my iphone so he has had some type of lasting legacy but you know it's it's a sad day that you know the, the stuff he did the consumerization of it and making it not just be a beige box in the corner is going to be his legacy that i think lasts well into the next few millennia Definitely. And that started really with the, you know, right back with the Apple II, where that was so far ahead of anything else that was around at the time, or really for quite some years afterwards. And it, it was, you know, Apple have had the, the knack of producing highly desirable products really for, you know, decades. But it's not just the desirability, it's the actual user interface that they produce to go with it and the fact that it is so simple. I mean, everyone just laughed when they had the one-button mouse, but it works. You know, you can do everything yeah. you need to with a one-button mouse. You know, what's amazing to me is um, one of my Twitter mates uh, tweeted last night uh, about the Apple homepage, and I don't know if you all saw it, but it was a, just a, a brilliant moving picture of Steve, Steve Jobs looking directly at us. And... and you know, my friend pointed out with Steve, it wasn't about the technology. It was always about the people, right? So, you know, the technology from, from Apple is wonderful in most cases, but it's designed around people and how they use it and how they can make their lives better around it. I really think that's his lasting legacy. Yeah, I, I'd certainly uh, echo all those thoughts. I mean, you know, I've been watching back through some of the old Steve videos this morning, so sort of trying to kind of comprehend um, him, him going. And, and it's the style and, the, you know, the passion he brought to it all. Looking back at when the Macintosh was announced, you know, just the, the kind of showman, um, you know, that Steve was in terms of how he announced things, how he, you know, presented it to the world. And it, it really was, you know, as much about him as about, the products you know I, I think everybody that's kind of um you know lamenting his passing today you know feel like we know steve some aspect through you know the, the keynotes and through some of the interviews and, and so on he's done and i don't think we've really felt that about bill gates or, or about some of the other leaders in the tech sector Stuart, bill gates is still alive you know i do <laughs> i fully realize that i think i think the whole thing for about steve jobs is the fact that he seemed to be accessible, even though he wasn't. So he, he seemed to be a very personable person. He was never dressed in a suit, you know, in the latter years. Um, but the other thing is that he went off and did a whole bunch of stuff with Pixar to get them started and then came back and saved Apple from themselves, which was the real testament to his, you know, burning desire to make sure that that company didn't sink um, and that, to me, was his, for me, that was his defining moment when he went back to Apple and pulled them out of, you know, what was going to be an early grave for them uh, and turned that company around and turned it into what we see today. And, and you know, the other thing to remember is it's, it's not just hardware. One of, one of the success factors of the iPod is I, I think no one had a good way of getting songs onto an, uh, onto an MP3 player because they weren't new. I remember having like a 128 meg Rio years ago and it was a pain in the ass to get the songs on. It was pain in the ass to change them. And he saw that it wasn't just hardware, it's also software. And, you know, iTunes, you know, what was the last number? 12 billion is being given to the 
record company since iTunes went live. So, you know, he's not just changed IT, he's changed other things. And I think if you look, he always goes where there is a huge target market, which a lot of people would shy away from, but I think he took as a challenge. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, his what he taught us in technology is it's about the ecosystem. And as we move towards the cloud, that becomes more and more true. Not everybody can do everything in the cloud, so we need to create ecosystems and partner. Steve was the master of, of creating new ecosystems, new markets by bringing old things together in new ways. And, and a, you know, a real focus on the user, you know, it, it being about experience and not about um, your technology. Uh, you know, and, and I think we maybe in the Lotus sector get so um, you know focused on you know new new uh, you know new features in the products or about you know speeds and feeds or about you know product names that kind of thing. And and at the end of the day, it's all about the end user experience. And I think sometimes you know we forget that maybe as developers and administrators, whereas, whereas Steve and Apple seem to always keep that at the forefront. It was about what the products enable people to do in their real sort of daily lives yeah i mean over the last few years one of the big trends has been this consumerization of of information technology where you know not that many years ago the best computer you had access to would be the one on your desk at work and that's not the case anymore <laughs> and <laughs> for most of us and um that depends yeah, who you work really for julian uh, well yeah <laughs> no comment tim um <laughs> But Apple really have, you know, from a hardware and a software perspective, have been a massive contributor to contributor to that trend. No, they're not alone. You know, the Google and Facebook and all these other companies have also had their part to play. But Apple have been have been huge in making that happen, make making technology really desirable and making people want to weave it into their lives. So the thing I've seen from Apple and especially in the iPhone is the fact that they've brought. Um, massively powerful and complicated technology to the fingertips of everyone. Now, you know, I wrestled, you know, with loving force the massive great big tombstone of a Filofax my wife used to use out of her, you know, clammy, angry hands when I placed her iPhone in her paws and said, we can use this and we can do it electronic and it'll be fine and it'll be synced and we can do it together and I can see what you're up to and you can see what I'm up to and we don't need to have you carrying around half a brick in your handbag. You know, <laughs> just, but you just, need them temperature conversion charts. Yeah, right. But it's the thing is, it's it was... For that. <laughs> there is indeed and I have it. Um, but the, the point being is that They've put massively powerful technology in the hands of everyone who can, you know, get one of their devices. And the thing is, it's usable. If you were to ask the average person to log onto a laptop to do half the stuff they do on an iPhone, it would take them days. On an iPhone, it takes them minutes. It's that whole simplification of the technology that's made Apple special. Absolutely right. Well, yeah. We'll all miss Steve, I'm sure, and he's made a uh, a huge difference to the industry we all work in. And uh, yeah, thoughts go out to all his family and, and friends and all that kind of stuff. So um, let's let's move on to the the news from the um, you know latest community from IBM um, this week, and it's been a pretty staggering week, really. We've had some big announcements, some some major changes to some of the things we've become very used to, in particular things like license agreements and so on, um, some of the nitty gritty. So let's kick off first of all with the new license that was announced this week, the new offering, which is IBM X. Server, Darren, do you want to take us through what the Xwork server is? It is, to all intents and purposes, a Domino application server. It can do Lotus Notes apps, it can do classic Domino web apps, and it can do X pages. And the marquee here is that it does not have the word Lotus in the name. So, congratulations to IBM for pulling the first product that actually has Domino out of the name. And, you know, Julian, I guess from your perspective, this is very much an offer, an offering that's kind of targeted at ISVs and developers, isn't it? It's, it's a, now a platform that you can get your apps out to the, to the world on that isn't a Lotus Domino server, doesn't have complex license agreements. It's just a platform you can sell your app on. Indeed. It's, um, you know, it's opening up different possibilities. Uh, the, the fact that it's a flat annual license fee means your cost is predictable. If you have more users, you throw more hardware at it and you don't have to suddenly worry about PVUs and limitations and yada, yada, yada. So it's it's fantastic from that point of view. Um, and certainly, there's, I have a, a 
project stroke product, which is sort of on the drawing board at the moment. And just from the application point of view, Domino wasn't going to get a look in as the the stack for that. And and it now is, thanks to the X work singular server. Um, <laughs> You know, and that's that's great. You know, because I like the technology. I mean, that's the same with a lot of us in the in the sort of yellow bubble, as we call it. Um, the reason we're still here is because we get on with the technology. It feels good to us. We we trust it. Uh, we respect it as a piece of software engineering. Domino is is extraordinary. It's um, like an old pair of yellow underpants. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen yours, Darren. I, I won't ask how they got yellow. I was just going to say the same thing, Larry. <laughs> Blue. And Tim, you, you've been very associated with X Pages through your podcast and other things you've done. Um, yep. I mean, th- this is, you know, clearly the name kind of links back to X Pages and it's being seen very much as being a way of delivering X Pages applications. Would you see it in that way? Um, well, yeah, I, I do and I don't. Um, I was aware of this offering coming, and I call it an offering because I don't think it's a product. Okay, um, I was aware of this before I left IBM because I saw the competition mail go round about who can come up with the best name, um, uh, and I can't remember who came up with the best name. I think Bill Ed Ed Brill actually told us in his blog post, but I can't remember who it was. But um, I actually didn't submit any any offerings because I couldn't actually think of any. But I actually like the name XWork Server. I think it's really good. Um, but in terms of it being an offering, I I just see it as being, you know, a little black box, almost like the the Domino DNA server they used to do for Quick Place Two Hundred Eight when it was still called that. Um, it's it is what it is. It it's a Domino server that's not going to be called Domino, and it's going to do what it does. Uh, in terms of will it sell apps, it will allow people to put apps in and, and it runs on this IBM X work thing and you can go in and sell that and it won't be, you, you won't have that whole hang up that, you know, I I see, everyone sees where the Microsoft bigot in the company turns around and says, oh no, I can't possibly have anything from Lotus or anything vaguely yellow in this company because we, we do Microsoft and it's like, well, actually we can do this on this Xbox server from IBM and it's very cheap and very cost effective. I can see that being a very, you know, very attractive offering to take to market and I'll, I'll be interested to see how it goes. The licensing is great. It's just pure and simple, like Julian said, Two grand a year, two thousand US dollars a year, every year. Have at it, go. Now, IBM being IBM, they had to kind of complicate it a bit, and I think they complicated it here by having the four applications of up to four NSF issue. It would have, I would prefer just to see them say, just put sixteen NSFs on there, but a non-system. Have at it. We don't care how big they get, as long as you're under sixteen, go. I think the four four is going to cause some consternation especially in the big crm vendors but if you if you read ed brill's blog all the way to the bottom and all of the comments and all the answers um you'll see that if you pay four grand a year you can have eight by eight so you can have eight applications of eight um nsfs now you know i used to work in the ibm innovation center in hursley and used to technically validate a whole bunch of domino solutions into the ibm solution catalog an awful lot of ibm buzzwords there but you know that's the job i used to do and i saw a whole bunch of isv vendor applications and i can count on the one hand the amount of them that had more than eight nsfs in them that i saw in three years of doing that job and i only know of one right so eight by eight four grand a year that's still doable right that's still a good solution and ed said him very himself you know he said if this doesn't suit come and tell us and we'll we'll talk about it it's not set in stone which is another massive departure for ibm is that they're prepared to be flexible about flexible about this agreement and it's like if you absolutely have to have five applications for your your particular system well let's talk about it you know, let's be open, let's have a go, let's see if we can make this work. They're not saying, oh, no, if it's, if it's four, then that's it, sorry, you, we, we can't do that, you'll have to pay four grand. It's, it's wildly different. They're actually being open and, you know, thinking outside the IBM blue box for a change, which is lovely to see. All credit to Ed. I, I don't know how many um, mountains he's had to move internally within, within IBM 
to make this happen and the fear of cannibalization of utility server if they've ever sold any um so all credit to him for making this happen because it's what the community has been asking for for quite a long time and it's great that it's here for absolutely ages they've been asking for this and yeah i agree with you julian it's great that it's finally here and if you look at the use case, it's exactly like Julian says. It takes away the argument of utility. It's it's very easy to sell a ten, even a twenty five thousand dollar application to a customer, but when the software to run it on then comes in at sixty four thousand dollars, that's a hard sale to make. Now, my my deviation between adding the server and not adding the server is insignificant into the project, which I think is the genius behind the licensing scheme here. And can almost be, you know, built into the cost of the software. Yeah, I would. I, if I was if I, if I was an ISV, which now now this is out, I am looking. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Junior developers would. send your CV to Darren Duke. Yes, really. All, all these Indian outsourcers are going to contact me now. Great, thanks, Tim. <laughs> My pleasure. Always, always a pleasure. You know, it's it's one of the things where. And I forgot what I was going to say, so I'll stop. I'm thinking about India now. <laughs> and, and Larry, I was just going to ask you from a sort of more independent or you know, further away from the yellow bubble point of view. I mean, do, do you see this changing anything from a competitive standpoint? Uh, you know, could you imagine customers that you've worked with you know, uh, saying we're not going to deploy this app because it's a Domino app? Would that change now? It's just an IBM X-Work app. How, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, it, it it does open doors for IBM. It, it reduces friction, and that's what this is all about. Not only the the bundling of the technology, but the licensing behind it. As as you guys have really well pointed out in this this discussion, um, it, you know, it, it's part of the the move away from the the legacy branding. Um, the the Domino brand is still going to be used with us, although I think it will be talked about more as X work and, and less as Domino. Um, what I see really cool about this is that this could potentially become the start of an application store for IBM because this technology is behind it. Um, there's apps that can be written in a number of different IBM you know, code bases on top of this. Uh, and and I, I could really see some sort of application store for the notes, domino, connections environment coming out of this. Um, which I think is going to be key to IBM's ability to compete with um, other larger vendors, particularly Salesforce that's got a pretty thriving uh, marketplace right now. I think there's one thing missing that they may need in order to achieve that, and and that is some way to bring up a Domino server without having to go and actually hit next, next, next. I think it was Stuart, you may have tweeted or, or, or commented on a blog post that wouldn't it be nice if it, they, they had some type of console like the Linux web servers have where click, click, click and bang, you've got a Domino server. I, I think if they were to go that last inch of this long marathon, that would make it so much easier to sell the solutions built on this and even this as a solution. Yeah, I, I see it as kind of a replacement for foundations almost. Uh, not that I want to go too far down the foundation story. I know Julian was involved in some of that. But, um, you know, <laughs> but, you know with, with the prevalence of, of EXS-based EXS uh, VMware um, infrastructures, it should be so easy for IBM just to, you know, allow you to download a VM that's ready to go with, um, you know, with Xwork server already built on it. Just, you know, fill in a, a couple of forms whilst that boots and it sets up your host name, IP address and everything else. And you have you know, a Domino app server already up and running, ready to go just to load your app on. That kind of thing would just make this so much of a, of a better offering. On, while we're on foundations uh, and export, we're not. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the downfalls of foundations, I think, from an IBM's perspective, was it was a separate build the whole time. Yeah. So, you know, maintaining that, was very difficult for them. And although Xwork is a separate build, because I understand there's different splash screens and probably some resource strings somewhere that have been changed and stuff like that, um, I, my understanding is also that when fix packs come out for 8.5.3, you will be able to apply those to an Xwork server in the same way as you would to a, a normal <laughs> Domino server. So code-wise, it's the same beast. It's just in a prettier or a different dress, in a blue dress. There's a bunch um, of... And um, that's... Sorry, go on, Julian. No, I was just saying, that's a very different deal. So that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't become the sort of Cinderella product that um, has befallen other 
code streams. And I think that's quite important is that, you know, the restrictions are code-based so that, you know, the fact that you can't run mailboxes and stuff like that on an Xwork server is all done via configuration internally that you'll never see as a as an administrator or something. You'll never find it. It'll be in the in the code there somewhere, just a little flag. Um, and that's important because it does mean that you know IBM are able to develop this alongside their other code streams. Now, what I really really hope is that you don't have to go to the Domino Fix Pack page to download a patch for it. I hope you go to the Xwork page, Xwork server page. Otherwise, the illusion's gone. You know, the the cat's out the bag. The smoke and mirrors are, you know, are disillusioned at that point, and people will see the reality of it, and it will will be back to the same fight and the same argument of it's a Lotus product. If we think of this as a, as kind of a new application server environment, you know, as almost kind of alongside web server application server, do you think IBM now needs to kind of drink its own champagne to some extent in terms of you know building its own ISV type solutions on top of Domino as it used to, uh, whereas now almost everything gets built on WebSphere. You never see IBM really deploying new solutions built on Domino. Do you think that's a key part of actually making X work into a valid solution that customers are going to buy? Personally, I think that would be a mistake if IBM did that because it would disillusion the whole of the ISV community. What you mean if it was if they were competitive solutions? Absolutely, I think that's a a, a world of pain that the ISVs and Lotus slash IBM don't want to get into because there would be, you know, IBM have said that they would never write solution or applications to run on their own server platforms um and they then kicked that into touch with websphere commerce but it's you know they don't write commercially available applications to run on their server platforms that they build that's one of their software groups founding sort of statements so that you know they're not in competition with the isvs that they you know they try and help build a business out of running stuff on their middleware Okay, that's a, a very fair point. We'll, we'll have to see how Xwork, uh, you know, kind of pans out. I think we're all quite excited by it being announced. I, th- I think the change in branding is a really big deal. I think uh, IBM is clearly still putting investment into the whole Notes and Domino kind of infrastructure in terms of building th- this new offering. So I, I think that they're all good signals in terms of where this kind of stuff is going. Now, the other announcement which came out on Tuesday was that um, Notes and Domino 8.5.3 was released. Um, you know, it's kind of top level. That's just a, a new fix pack a new version of, of Notes and Domino 8.5 as we've all been used to. But of course, once again, IBM's delivered some significant new functionality and also some changes to the product uh, in that. So you know, perhaps, Julian, can you kick us off? Is there anything you know, that you're excited about in 8.5.3? Uh, there's a couple of things, really, from, a, from an application development point of view. Well, three. Well, the first one is that I've done an install and Domino Designer seems to me to run faster that's a good thing um that it was on a clean machine and so i don't have a direct comparison but it felt as though it was running faster than i thought it would which is not the usual feeling um, you know this day when you get older time it was faster <laughs> yeah i was saying that just the other day last thursday a month ago yeah um <laughs> the two other things from an app dev point of view are relational database access which has sort of been around for a while but um that's being bundled in as, a, as an 853 thing. And um, source code control, which really turns Domino for the first time, uh, or Domino development, um, from its, it, it brings it from its early kind of power user, business user, amateur developer days into being a serious grown up tool to do development. And that's fantastic. Does that mean everyone can justify the weight of the Eclipse platform underneath it now? Just buy a bigger machine. <laughs> <laughs> More memory, bigger processor, bigger hard disk. Oh, okay, I'll gotcha. <laughs> And uh, I, I guess some of the things that maybe you're interested in from a GSX point of view, um, Tim, is, is things like the, the full text indexes. You can now move to a separate directory. That's quite a, a splendid new feature. Indeed. Um, and, you know, from GSX's point of view, it, it's business as normal. It's a, it's a Domino server, as is the Xwork server. If we just skip back a page, it's like from our point of view, it's just a Domino server. We can still monitor that and give you alerts and, you know, all of that kind of good stuff and, and give you trend analysis on what's been going on your, in your infrastructure. So it doesn't make any difference to us that it's xwork or 853 or, or whatever it it's you know we're still able to do stuff with it for you so yeah i mean 853 for me has meant 
actually, since I left IBM, it's it's meant trying to scrabble around and find my partner world ID so I can download a, a copy of Apefighter because it's not readily available to me anymore. And it was like that was that was a big shock. It's like, oh man, how do, and how do I get you know GSX's partner world corporate token into my ID and how do I get this stuff? It's like I've never had to think about it. So you enjoy an exceptional web experience. Yeah. Oh, that exceptional web experience. Yes. <laughs> I did have a go at trying to change it at one point and we had a really good stab at it, but that's a story for another twill, I think. And Darren, you know, again as a domino admin, anything from an administration point of view you've seen in eight five three? Moving the full text indexes to a different volume, not just a different directory, but a whole different volume, is 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 truly a huge move for for large domino shops. I had a blog post probably a year and a half ago where I said the most useful feature of Notes is never turned on, and that's full text indexing, because these organisations don't have the space. And Sans, uh, you know, the, the wholesale move to Sans has just mitigated. Uh, or even exacerbated that that issue beyond what it was previously. So being able to move it off to second tier storage, off to a different VMDK, whatever you want, is absolutely, truly massive. And I even saw one post, I can't remember who it was, actually it might be Daniel Lashed, where he said they're about to do a group-wise to notes migration with six terabytes of full text index, and so they had to wait for this option. Wow, that's huge. Mm. That is huge. As a as a slightly reluctant part-time Domino administrator, <laughs> occasionally, um, I can see this is huge for some of my customers as well. There are there are applications where there really should be full text in this thing, but it's it's not turned on for the reasons you've described, and this will allow us to turn it on. See, to my mind, I think they're not addressing the root problem. I think that you know. Whilst the, the full text index engine is fantastic, and you know, came out of an R and D lab in Ch- China or Japan, as I remember, um, it's it, we're looking at the wrong problem. The fact that these things are huge is the issue. It's not the fact that we got nowhere to store them that's the problem. You know, disk space is cheap, but that doesn't mean we should use it all. Um, maybe we should be looking at a cleverer way of doing the full text index so that the indexes aren't over cumbersome and don't get turned on. And don't corrupt as much. But no, t- Tim, you, you are right. We, we've, we've fixed the symptom, not the problem. But right. I'm just even surprised they fixed the symptom. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. But I, I still think that they've missed a trick. And sometimes if you fix the symptom well enough and you stop noticing <laughs> it's a symptom, yeah. the, the problem just kind of goes away. And lastly, in, in terms of the new features, I'm sure we haven't covered them all, but in terms of the, the, the headline ones, uh, we've also got from some fairly up, major updates to Traveller. In particular, you know, we now have partial wipe of iOS devices, which I know an awful lot of people will be pleased about, um, in, in terms of being able to wipe all the important kind of business data off of a phone that might be, be held by a personal individual or a student or something like that, you know, without needing to wipe the whole device. So that's a really big deal. I think there's some other updates to Traveller as well. On Android, you can now invite people to meetings. What a quaint idea. (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) Wow, that's a state-of-the-art feature, isn't it? (laughs) There goes productivity. Indeed. And in terms of being social by having meetings, um, it brings us on to one of the... <laughs> sorry, that was somewhat of a, a dodgy segue. Um, right. it, you know, in terms of the social side, um, you know, perhaps the, the biggest change um, in 853 is a new entitlement for all Notes and Domino customers, or, or certainly ones with the, with the common types of license, is that you now get the entitlement to use files and profiles from connections for all your users. Now, Larry, um, you know, any, any perspective in terms of how this might change things? I, this is huge. It, it really is. Um, I spent a lot of time at Lotus Fear last February talking with IBM customers. Um, most of them either, you know, Notes Domino customers or um, using some of the, the legacy collaboration things, particularly quicker or even as far back as Quick Place. Um, yet not a lot of them had really jumped on connections yet. A lot of reticence. Um, this takes away any resistance they have to do that. Um, profiles is, uh, you know, a social profile is the linchpin of doing social in an organization. To, to have a social profile that contains someone's interests and expertise, um, both explicitly stated by that individual as well as tracked and um, logged and, and monitored and, and made available by analytics 
is the key to spreading knowledge and, and, and helping each other collaborate within the organization. So there's now no longer any excuse for any IBM customer to not be using connections as far as I'm concerned. At least the profiles piece of it. Um, I think the files is a nice add-on. But really what IBM is doing is saying this social market is turning into a platform play. Um, Jive, uh, NewsGator, um, all you other standalone applications out there, we're going to show you the power of the platform. Very interesting indeed. Uh, you know, I, I certainly echo an awful lot of those thoughts. Da- Darren, you, you were less keen than I was in terms of whether this would make a, a significant difference. Do you want to outline your thoughts on it? Let me paraphrase the great Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of sellers around the world just screamed out in pain. Not not doing this after fourth quarter, I can only imagine what it's decimated the load of Salesforce in, in Q4. They're not going to be able to shift dick in Q4 because of this. And while I think it's a very good idea to entitle customers to it, I, I was doing some quick math, and, and my math comes up with somewhere in the region of 8% of my Domino customers have connections. 8%. That is not a huge number, and my guess is that's probably over what IBM see because we kind of do push this kind of stuff. So um, um, as given this is entitlement, is it going to take the 8% to 12% to maybe 15% to even 25%? I think will be a roaring success. But at what cost to your market is this going to happen? And, and I don't think it was thought through very well from, from a dollars and cents perspective, which shocks me from IBM because that's what drives them. I, Darren, I've got to disagree because I've had conversations with people at IBM that have suggested to me that they were very, very actively thinking about what they could give away to seed additional sales that they wouldn't have otherwise. But, but what are you going to buy? And, and so I was having this conversation this morning in the office that if I've got notes and if I've got quicker, which I would say a good 35% of my clients have both. Then between them two sets, you are entitled to files, connections files, connections profiles, and connections wikis. What is left to drag me kicking and screaming into the $100 a seat for connections license? Or even if they do me a deal, let's say a $75 a seat connections license. I've got blogs. I've got communities. And now I'm struggling. What else? It, was, is it would be communities and homepage would be the big deal, I think. So community, yeah, communities wraps everything together and homepage gives you the activity streams and status update kind of integration. So I, I think those would be the two core pieces. And then the rest of it is kind of, you know, just, just extra add-on. So blogs, bookmarks, uh, forums, that kind of thing are, are kind of nice to have. But it's really communities, I think, will be the core. So, guys, I as you know, worked for IBM and IBM does drink its own champagne in terms of the social media stuff. And we did have a massive connections installation with pretty much everyone around, you know, 400,000 people around the world sharing their files across files and connections and profiles. To be honest with you, I didn't see that much. I mean, I saw lots and lots and lots of communities. I didn't see, I didn't see lots of people using it on a day-to-day basis. It was a nice thing to set up at the beginning of a project, but nobody ever used it. Um, everyone still used email. Um, similarly, I, I saw lots of people, you know, start activities that they never finished. Um, and maybe that's just the IBM implementation of it because nobody's been trained on how to use it or what it's for or whatever. But, you know, even if you even if it's just out there, I think the most important things in connections for me as a user were profiles, finding out who knows what, and files, finding out what they've shared and what I can borrow. Yeah, and, and and the fact that IBM is now licensing those to Domino customers, I think, is a real you know strength because the integration points have been there in Notes for a long time. You know, the, the sidebar plugins, the business card appearing when you hover over a name in an email inbox. You know, they've been there if, if the if the back end services have been installed in that customer, and now that those back end services can be installed admittedly there's a cost of doing that in terms of effort and, and infrastructure then it kind of rounds out the whole notes offering doesn't it because that social side can now be brought forward into the notes client much more easily than it could have done before excellent point and i'm surprised no one has mentioned this in our discussion so far what we are seeing is nothing less than the project vulcan vision becoming reality and that's that's the big deal about this to me is that vulcan is finally hitting the road 
baby steps. At some point, we'll see more of connections in the notes environment and in other environments as well. But this is really the first proof that we've seen of that. So, so in that case, this this does. If if you look at it that way, this this does make sense because it's giving the notes domino install base the little bit of crack rock that then gets you hooked. So when you come along and say, okay, this is Vulcan fully baked, end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Now, if you want to partake in the vision that everyone else is partaking in, pony up. And from that, from that standpoint, I can see this maybe being a good idea, but I still think they're sacrificing a whole lot of short-term revenue here. I don't think they are, because as far as I understand it, and, and everything I heard before I left IBM was all about Vulcan is not a product. It will only ever be a a set of technologies that are embedded into other products. So I don't think there is going to be a 2012, um, you know, pony up for your Vulcan stuff. It's, you know, the whole, and it was kind of corny at the beginning, but the whole reason they called it Vulcan was not anything to do with Star Trek or Call or, you know, anything like that. It was all to do with the fact that they were vulcanizing products together. So it was all about making those products work seamlessly with each other and have all of each other's information in them in a very usable format so that everything just melts together. That was the whole point. That was the whole raison d'etre for people waking up and vulcanizing their products. It's building on a, a single common back-end standard that we can use in, or, or that IBM can use internally to make those products work together seamlessly. I don't think there's going to be a come and, come and buy your Vulcan here stand at Lotusphere anytime in the next yeah, millennia. That's right, Tim. This is not a product. Um, we were talking about the ecosystem before. This is IBM's ecosystem, or at least a big part of it. Yeah, right. It, it's actually a technology driver for IBM going forward. It's a, it's an enabler for IBM. It just happens to have a cool techie code name that everyone's picked up on and thinking it's a product, which is kind of a shame because it's not. But the thing is, people were pointing their fingers at the screenshots saying, I want this. You know, that they want that functionality, that look and feel, that integration in their environment. And therefore, it's natural they're going to say, I want to buy that, whatever it looks like. However, as, as you say, if it's just incremental updates to lots of different products that come together to form a, a, you know, an application environment that, that looks and behaves like the Vulcan demos they've been giving, then clearly that's more based on WebSphere and more based on connections than it perhaps is on the domino infrastructure that we've, we've held for so long. And therefore, part of that must be getting connections into as many sites as they can as they begin to deliver on that vision, such that then users are going to see that functionality. Right, and but the, the, the front end to it is still going to be whatever they call it, what we see today as the Notes client. So the front end of that is just going to be you know a notes client and the river of news and all the rest of it and you have to have the data stored somewhere so you can either store that in notes and domino or you can store it in a connections file store or you can store it wherever you want but the point being is that the front end embodiment of that will be a thick client or a very very powerful browser and and, and Stuart you may have hit on, on the key here but this is the way to get or end around the Domino admin, the Domino driver, that will not touch WebSphere with a six-foot pole. And they're going to end around by going to the business users and saying, look, as you have notes and Domino, you also have connections, profiles, and files. Why are you not using them? They are one of the cornerstones of what is coming. We suggest you implement these features as soon as possible. And I don't think that's a bad idea. I actually think it's a pretty clever idea. And maybe that is the end goal here, is to get a smattering of WebSphere in the non-WebSphere shops. I think so. From a, from a UI and from a platform perspective, you know, IBM is trying to lead the customers along a, along a path. And there's, there's a vision at the end of it of the, the Vulcan thing. Um, and they need to do that gradually. You know, if they try, if, if Notes 10 or whatever it's called by then comes out and it's a you know the default ui is a radical shift from what people are used to then that will freak people out so yeah the, your first one is free kind of approach um is is a good idea get people moving down that path a bit get them to experiment um and perhaps what will happen uh, certainly i see this a little bit is that some fairly stale quick place stroke quicker implementations might get binned in favor of some 
new connections, files, and, and uh, whatever the other bit is, um, implementations. And that leads people down the path as well. Uh, but I think Darren's right in a sense, you know, the back-end technologies have to be there to enable the river of news and the streaming of everything else and file sharing and all the rest of it for the client to be able to work. And maybe this is a way of starting that, you know, seeding that particular process to happen. But it, yeah. it is just a, an enabler for the the vision of all the products coming together to happen. And going back to, to Darren's point about sort of the sensitivity in terms of the sellers and the deals they have open, uh, which you know clearly is a big deal for IBM. I, I think that was why Ed was so sensitive about it not getting out, you know, before the end of the quarter. They wanted to to you know sell the Q three stuff, start Q four with this with this deal, and then it, it does open up. All, additional opportunities so i know there is going to be a trade-up price to get from profiles and files to the rest of the stack so um you know clearly i think you know that they'll be looking to get customers using this stuff and then look to upsell to the full stack of connections so i, I yeah I'm, I'm sure they've thought about it pretty carefully in terms of whether it's going to um you know cause problems for those sellers that are out there and looking um, on as well, the, the last change, um, you know, significant change really in 8.5.3 was just some changes to licensing, which normally not too many of us get excited about, particularly in these very long multi-page IBM uh, licensing agreements. But there's some substantial changes to um, Domino Express rules in terms of how you are licensed and the number of users you can have. Darren, do you want to take us through those? And the licenses are not multi-page anymore. They're not? They, they've even simplified them. The longest one I saw was probably two pages. Wow. They, they are going back and saying, basically, you get... So let's say you take Collaboration Express. You, and in Collaboration Express, you get everything that's in uh, Domino Collaboration except bang, bang, bang. And that's pretty much what the license is now. So they've simplified them, which is going to put me out of a job because that's what I do a lot of, <laughs> is, is making sense of these insane uh, licenses. But more importantly... They have completely changed what it means to be an Express customer. It used to be that you had to have less than a thousand employees and contractors in your organization, and the organization really meant also any sub entities, any holy home subsidiaries. Um, that is difficult at best to manage, and I think it's probably untenable even to go to a court of law in several jurisdictions around the world. So, IBM. Uh, have changed it from a thousand employees to the root, the new rule is a thousand users in a single domino domain. Once you hit a thousand and one, you need to spin off a second domino domain. But that means, and we've had this happen several times, if you're an organization with 990 employees and then you suddenly hire 30 employees, you're out of compliance. That now effectively never happens. You just have to build your domains in a slightly more complicated manner. But it's not going to cost you $75,000 to hire 30 people. And do you think anybody's going to game the system in terms of number of users per domain? Or, or do you think it's just a sensible way of dealing with it? Well, I've always been gaming it on Express. I mean, it, this, I, I'm glad to see they're starting to put hard-coded limitations inside of Domino, which I should have done years ago. Um, so do, do I think people will game the system? Yes, because they always do. I do, however think it solves a very difficult problem that Express sellers have when their customer inadvertently becomes non-Express eligible. Um, and what stops you from putting 2,500 users on, a, on, on, a, on an Express domain? Man, probably none. And I'm always surprised that IBM will license people for more than 1,000 users So back in the, ex, in, in the real Express days. So, you know, I think there's maybe a license question to ask when when the renewals are coming up. Um, but that kind of goes away from this because it really it doesn't matter. It's just, it's, it's just it's complicating the technology slightly to significantly simplify the license. So here's the thing, right? Um, the thing I've seen and the thing I've witnessed is the license agreement for IBM software is the start of the negotiation point with IBM. It's not set in stone. And if you really fancy having a crack at it, you can challenge it. And you can actually have it tailored to what you want for your company. So if you really want to do Express and you really want to beat the salesman up, go at it. You know, and really go for it and get the salesman to amend the contract. It's, it's done all the time. But, you know, they have to start somewhere. They have to draw the, the line in the sand at some point. So all of these, you know, these 
companies that are out of out of license by 30 users, talk to your salesperson. They'll amend, they'll amend the license if it means they won't lose you as a customer. See, this, yeah, is, where, this is where we differ because you, you've got to go a special bid. You've got to get a sales rep involved. And if a sales rep is talking about 1,000 seats, they do not give a flying shit about that customer. So l- let me add this. This is IBM responding to, to some pressure from the marketplace as well as from their customers, I think. Uh, and by the marketplace, I'm saying other competitors. You know, if you guys think back to Dreamforce about a month ago, um, one of the, I thought, big announcements at Dreamforce was um, Salesforce.com implementing a new social licensing agreement, uh, a whole new model for how they make their services available to customers. That's a pretty comprehensive but very simple um, contract. And, uh, you know, I think as an industry, we're moving towards simplifying these contracts, and IBM has to respond to that somehow. That's certainly an interesting perspective. I, I don't doubt that that's exactly the case, particularly as, as you know, the consumerization again, people are getting very used to these very simple, you know, um, you know ELAs they sign when they, when they log on to sites and, and that kind of thing. So it, it's, it's interesting to see IBM moving in this direction. And, and one of the downsides, of course, of the new license agreement Ed blogged about is, is the, you know, the clarification in terms of anonymous users on some of the express licensing. But at least we now have the Xwork server that can maybe deal with some of those situations. And, and this and was important not- for Xwork. The simplifying the license is really important for Xwork. If they, if it's going to extend beyond the existing ecosystem and start building a bigger ecosystem, which is the ambition, then simple licensing agreement is really important, as would be being able to buy it with your credit card off IBM.com, by the way. Yeah. Well, and, and, and what I would say is if, if, if I was an ISV, I would actually sign up for application-specific licensing and, and I would become the vendor selling everything to the customer and not even let IBM into the equation. No, that's very true. And that's I think that's what the intention is as well. The downside of that, I think, is that the ISV then has to take support for X work as well, which uh, yeah, may, may be beyond the means of, of a lot of ISVs. But um, anyway, we'll cover that in another conversation. I think it's a really interesting direction that IBM's going, pushing towards ASL and, and some of these new agreements. But I do want to say both license and changes, getting away from a PVU and the change of Express is very good stuff from IBM. Kudos to them. And moving on, uh, we are now into October. This is traditionally the time when uh, Lotusphere gets announced in terms of the website being available and also abstract uh, calls go out. Um, the website's up. It's not quite on Lotusphere.com yet. I think that's going to happen pretty soon. Um, anybody got any thoughts on the, the announcement of Lotusphere, in particular you know, staying with the Lotusphere name? Were you quite surprised by that? I was shocked. How about you, Julian? Were you expecting Social Sphere this year? Um, or X sphere, or I don't know. I'm not surprised they've stuck with the name. Yeah, there's, there's the the delotusifying of the product set is a is a slow process. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't surprise me to hear an announcement at the closing session in January about what the name will be next year. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me that they didn't change it this year, this time round. I, I, I agree with Julian. I think it's it's going to be a long. The, the word I use is delotification. Um, just just because it's a long drawn out process, and I think because now there's really two conferences at Lotusphere. There's Lotusphere and the Business Excellence or whatever it's called. I can't change the name of it every year. But once I think they flick to having slightly more users in the other conference, then they'll change the name. Is is what I think will happen. I can certainly see that. And in terms of abstracts there, the call hasn't gone out yet. I guess that will happen pretty soon. Given that Lotus is early on this year in January, I think that's that's cutting it quite fine to get all the abstracts submitted, agreed, agenda created, and you know, for people to actually create their presentations. Uh, so I'm sure that will be out pretty soon. But the so thing is, Stuart, if, if you're considering submitting an abstract, then if you're anyway near sensible and actually fancy having some time with your family and friends at Christmas, then, you know, maybe you should already have your presentation created and your content done. Uh, most people are not sensible in that way, though. I'm yes, clearly not. I, I've been waiting till the last minute since I was five. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the pants. It does, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm seriously considering taking a, a, a year off. The, the great Declan Lynch... 
um, tweeted, like, I think it was last year, right before Lotosphere, that he does one year on, one year off, and it allows him to actually enjoy every other year. <laughs> so, you know, I actually think that's not a bad idea, and I'm seriously thinking about doing that. So we're not going to see you in January then, Darren? No, I'll be there. I just won't be putting an abstract in to speak. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what, what I meant. So, sorry to disappoint you on that one, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I thought we were getting a year out. <laughs> and, and just to close off uh, for this week, in terms of news, uh, we're back to Apple again. They announced the iPhone 4S this week. Anybody particularly excited or disappointed by that announcement? Don't Maybe believe the hype. Maybe the S stands for Steve. You know, I, I have to I have to say I'm really shocked by how people are beating up Apple um, because they didn't come out with iPhone 5. I think there's a lack of appreciation for all the incremental advancements that they've put into the same form factor. You know, if Apple hadn't already accomplished what they've done with some of their earlier releases, this would be seen as a huge step forward. Um, they've just kind of spoiled us into thinking that we have to have so much new every time around that when they deliver a little bit less it's seen as a disappointment which is just crazy in my my view i'm i'm with larry and i'm i'm thankful they haven't changed anything because as 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 val said val states the obvious the best thing about the iphone 4s is that they didn't change the form factor so your iHome still works all your docs still work you know all of the stuff that you've, you've you've paid over the years you know you spend 600 bucks on an iPhone and 1200 bucks on peripherals to connect it to everything uh, you know they all all still work they're all still the same form factor and and I think it's clever from Apple to do that every once in a while just so you, you don't get into upgrade hell where once you upgrade everything is irrelevant and I've got to go and replace absolutely everything in my collection. I think it's I I, I think it's a good phone. I think it's got some features that we're missing. World phone, better camera, you know, faster processor. It's it's an iPhone five in all but new shell. So explain to me the CDMA stuff because I just don't get that. Is that kind of an American thing or? Yeah, so so CDMA phones, CDMA networks are in Japan and North America, which means Canada, Mexico, and, and the USA. And okay. so the two two of the three biggest carries in the US, Verizon and Sprint, are CDMA only networks. And CDMA is not GSM, which is what the rest of the world is. And so in order to roam with your phone, you need either a world-capable phone that does GSM and CDMA, or every time you travel, you've got to swap out your phone if you're on Verizon or okay. Sprint gotcha. to a different phone that's capable. And that, that's a big deal in the U.S. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Especially if we go to the... Yeah. It's the only reason I'm on AT&T living in the U.S., because I can swap out a SIM card instead of swapping out a whole phone if I go somewhere else in the world. So does that mean you'd switch to Verizon or Sprint and go to a 4S? Me, um, no. I, I, I would. Okay, that's an interesting conundrum. I mean, the good things about the phone are the fact that it's now got the dual-core processor, an 8-megapixel camera. It's, I mean, that series stuff, I don't know if you've actually watched the video for it, but that is mighty impressive, the amount of AI they've put into that. Um, you know, just looking at some of the stuff you can tell the phone to do, it's just ridiculous that they've managed to make it do what it does. It's just so, so clever. I don't think people understand yet the power of that. I was looking I forward it. to um, asking it how to uh, ask it questions about IBM license agreements. But they, <laughs> <laughs> and it will go to Wikipedia and say, hang on a second, let me find that for you and show you IBM's licensing page, which will make no I, more sense. <laughs> I am... I am kind of stuck, as I've described it, on a 3GS for my phone. And while I'm slightly disappointed with everyone that the rumors weren't true and, you know, what we got was a, a 4S rather than a 5 and it's the same shape and all that stuff. Nevertheless, I'm stuck on the 3GS because compared to the 4, I was quite happy to be stuck on it. And looking at the 4S, I think this is another one where it... you. If you upgrade to that, you won't mind so much being stuck on it when the next one comes around because it's a great phone, and it's a fast processor. It's got a good camera. It's got all the things that you you know you currently can imagine ever wanting, until they create the next thing that you can't until even the imagine. IPad. <laughs> the iPad two point five. Yeah. Now the thing is, I mean, nobody in the UK spotted this, to my knowledge, um, but you know when Apple delivered their board 
you know their annual results they def- they define what their product lines are and what their strategies are to the board and to their shareholders and all of this apple keynote stuff is is all nice for razzmatazz and stuff but that's not where the messages are the messages are in the the annual reports and the annual reports say it's an 18 months to 2 year development cycle for a new phone so the fact that we've got a refurb of a, an iPhone 4 isn't of no surprise to me at all to be to be fair um and in fact, if you'd have asked me when the iPhone 4 came out, why did I take a two-year contract and tie myself to a device for two years? It's because I know the iPhone 5 isn't coming out within two years because of their development cycles and the fact that they're forcing carriers to pay more for the device and therefore pass that on to the users. So the carriers aren't stupid. They're not going to sign up to tie in their customers in for two years and then not give them, give them the opportunity to upgrade to the latest and greatest without it costing them a fortune. That makes no sense to the carriers at all. They want as many bucks as they can out of us. So I, you know, I, I just thought this was inevitable. I, I wasn't expecting to see an iPhone 5 personally. I think the difference this time, though, is we've waited longer. You know, t- typically the announcements have been in, in June rather than being in October. So we've waited 15 months for this, and it's just effectively a speed bump and some, you know, new camera and stuff. Um, and the difference is this year as well is, is very few updates to iPods, you know, in, n- no changes to the iPad, which I guess isn't a surprise. Um, you know, so it, it, well, we've only just of... had a new iPad this year. I mean, everybody forgets how quickly that came around true, and, and how true. little amount of time it's been out. Yeah. But we live in Apple years now. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like dog years, but faster. <laughs> so, anyway, I think, I think that brings us to a close. Very interesting thoughts in terms of the iPhone 4S. My, I'll be lining up to pre-order it when it comes out next week. So, um, you know, I, I think plenty of other people will be too. Let's move on to tips. We'll, we'll have to make them quite uh, short and sweet this week because there's people that need to head off. So, Darren, do you want to kick us off? Um, I don't actually have one. <laughs> Shocking. You've had two weeks to think about it. That's I've had great. two weeks off. Um, don't take two weeks off because then, or a week off because then you don't want to come back. And the tip should be for Apple. Don't call it Siri. Call it iHow. Ooh, nice thought. Okay, and Tim, what's your tip? Um, don't believe the hype. Um, a prime example is Apple this week. Um, but also um, 853 and, you know, X work. It's all the same but different. It's It's... You know, it's going to be lots of good things to lots of people, but people will build things up to be whatever they want it to be in their own mind and then try and tell you that's right. But it's not always the case. I would say Apple's results over the last 10 years have shown that does work. (laughs) We will see. And Julian, what's your tip? Uh, My tip is if you're an OSX Lion user and you've got used to the reverse scrolling and then you go to a Windows machine and can't work out what the heck is going on, uh, there's a nice little thing you can install called X Mouse Button Control, which is freeware from a, a UK company. And that lets you do all sorts of things with the mouse controls, uh, including reversing the scrolling direction. See, that was um, the first thing I turned off on, Lion. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm used to it now, and I've, I find it... I find it very natural, and I find the Windows one annoying. It also has the advantage that if someone hops onto your Windows machine, they get really confused. (laughs) (laughs) Security by mouse obscurity. (laughs) And Larry, do you have a tip for us? Sure, I'll stay. uh, I'll play along with the Apple theme with everybody else. Um, If you really want to honor Steve Jobs' memory and, and what he did meant something to you, live your life the way he did. Believe in yourself, in your abilities. Believe in your vision. And go out there and live on the edge. Absolutely, and and I, I'm going to change my tip. My tip is to go and watch Steve Jobs' Stanford address. It's very um, available on YouTube. Just search for Steve Jobs at Stanford. Just ten minutes or so of him imparting his advice to a, a, a bunch of students that were leaving Stanford that year. Uh, and in terms of his kinds of ethics and the, and the way he lives his life, and and really good advice. So thank you for that tip, Larry and Darren. How do people find you? blog.darrenduke.net for some things relatively technically related and Darren Duke all one word on Twitter for my 140 character rants great to have you back Darren thank you and Tim how do people track you down uh, blog.tc-soft.com for very infrequent um, updates <laughs> um, or if you're looking for a junior support job in the UK you can go there today and send me your resume um, other than that it's timstac at twitter um, and that's about it really and the podcast oh yeah the podcast is the Xcast um, so listen to that if you're into X pages at all uh, and there will be a quite major announcement on the next one that comes out fairly soon so 
Ooh, Keep listening for that. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Tim. And Julian, how do people find you? Uh, they find me on Twitter at Wuwa, which is my surname with no Ds in it. There's a really terrible joke behind that. <laughs> and um, for a blog that's updated even less frequently than Tim's, but generally quite a bit around Lotusphere time, blog.wuwa.com. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And Larry, how do people find you? I am L.E. Hawes, H-A-W-E-S, on Twitter. Or you can find me at www.dalbrook.com and uh, add the forward slash blog, and that'll take you right to the blog section of the site. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today, Larry. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm glad I could finally make it. Thank you. Excellent. And I am Stuart McIntyre. Find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre. That's with UA. And you can find the blog at blog.collaborationmatters.com. Until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. So let, let me get this right, Stuart. You you had a tip pimping stuff that makes you money and you changed it. Lisa would kill me, wouldn't she? <laughs> this is why you will never die, a very, very rich man. <laughs> yeah, I felt guilty about pimping my own stuff. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> Take care, guys. I look forward to hearing which of my jokes you edit out. So. <laughs> None <laughs> of them. There was jokes? What, what, what was that? <laughs>